When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Better Relationships, Better Life, a podcast where you'll gain insights from relationship experts and entrepreneurial couples who have moved through conflict and into a better life. Crack the clarity code and create deeper connections beyond the messiness of relationships. Here's your host, Judy K. Herman. Welcome back to Better Relationships, Better Life. I'm your host, Judy K. Herman. Our guest today is Dr. Robin Buckley. She's an author, speaker, and cognitive behavioral coach and psychotherapist who works with executive women and high-performance couples. In this interview, Dr. Robin and I will be discussing various ways to get help for your relationship. She shares her personal journey that brought her to design her proprietary coaching model that gives couples structure, kind of like a business plan for their relationship. You'll get clear about whether you need couples coaching or couples counseling, and you're going to learn so much more. Let's take a listen. Welcome to Better Relationships, Better Life. My name is Judy Herman, and I am so thrilled to introduce you to a guest, Dr. Robin Buckley. She's going to help us to understand the difference between couples coaching and couples counseling. But first of all, I do want to, first of all, thank you so much, Robin, for being oh, here. This is such a pleasure. Thank you so much, Judy. Yes. And, and Robin helps high achieving women thrive in their career and relationships. And she's an author, a public speaker, and cognitive behavioral coach who works with executive women and high-performance couples. She's my gal here. I really resonate on so many levels. And she has a proprietary methodology that uses a business framework along with cognitive therapy to help couples, which I think is so remarkable. I cannot wait to hear more. And she's also the founder of Insights group psychological and coaching services. Dr. Buckley has a PhD in clinical psychology, and she served as a doctoral professor, a dissertation chair for students in business leadership and education and healthcare. She's published two books, including Voices from the Village, Advice for Girls on the Verge of Adulthood. What a needed topic and book that people need Oh my goodness. And Dr. Buckley is also a columnist for entrepreneur.com and has been featured as an expert on multiple media platforms, including a Thrive Global, Authority Magazine, Nike, the Happiness Talks podcast, and News Radio 96.7. Robin, Dr. Robin, I am so very, very pleased to have you on the show. Thank you for coming. Thank you. And Robin is fine. <laughs> Well, let me, let me first of all, just start with, I always like to hear people's backstories because mm -hmm. there's a reason that you get into the profession that you do. 
And when you find out that core reason that you do what you do, I, I just appreciate that so much. I think a lot of folks do, my listeners for sure will. So give us that Reader's Digest version of your story and how you came to be with where you are right now, because this is a different version than your earlier self, I'm imagining. Yeah, absolutely. So the, the, the easy platform to start from is um, I have always wanted to be in a profession that helps people. And it very likely came from parents who emulated that. My dad was a teacher his entire career, working in disadvantaged communities for a long period of time. And my mom was a nurse. And they just exuded this idea of giving beyond yourself. So it was a natural um, alignment to choose psychology and wanting to go into mental health um, to try and support people. My challenge was that once I got into the mental health field, as you, as you know, Judy, it's, it's very much, very often focused on intervention when people are already in crisis. And that didn't align completely with how I wanted to do things. I'm, I was raised to be proactive and to take charge and, and really try and prevent problems, if at all possible, before they happen. So right around the time that I finished my doctoral degree, I also discovered coaching. It was still in its infancy. It was not like it is now. And I got trained as a coach because of that perspective in coaching about prevention and working with people who are wanting to make change, not necessarily because they're in crisis, because they just want a better life, relationship, career, whatever it is. And that just resonated with me, not only the side of me that wants to help people, but the side of me that believes that people can really be empowered and take charge of their lives in a way that works best for them. So with that, it, it, uh, it was a great alignment between my education and uh, cognitive behavioral strategies and my training as a coach. Okay. Wow. That is uh, amazing. So, so you discovered the coaching just early on in your career versus mm -hmm. like later in your career after maybe years of the being in the mental health industry. Right. Yeah. I got uh, certified as a coach in 2005. I had gotten, I finished my PhD in 2001. So it was really um, juxtaposed very closely together. And I remember a lot of my colleagues made fun of me. They were, they teased me and they said, why would you be a coach? What's a coach? You know, you have your doctoral degree, but it was just that idea that learning and expanding always appeals to me. Mm -hmm. So if I could find a, another way that would support what I was doing at the time, great. Not knowing that over time it would actually switch and what I was educated in actually supports now what I do as a coach. That is so interesting because even now I think there's, you know, to be, to have, you know, your PhD and, and your, the initials behind your name versus coach. I think a lot of, of those of us in the mental health field and they wor we worked hard for our initials behind our name. <laughs> and it almost like, so it's, it's interesting that you pushed through that, right? Did you have some issues with, do I really wanna be a coach and have that? Or do I want the, you know, cause there's kind of, I don't know, a stigma or something about it. Absolutely. Actually, even, even you know, within the past 10 years, I've really, I can feel it catching my throat when I, I go to say coach. I'm much better now, thank goodness. But because most of it was because there are areas of coaching, you know, it's not regulated. It's not licensed like therapists and psychologists. So anyone can call themselves a coach with or without training. And that really um, makes me pause. And mm. so for me, I was more of a 
do I really want to align myself with a field that, you know, willy nilly people can do. So instead of getting stuck on that, I decided to embrace the idea that, you know, with my background, education and training, I, I can be a really effective coach. And as part of that, I love to educate people, not in a don't, you know, don't work with anyone else, but me perspective, but more just know who you're working with, what their training is, what their background is, what makes them able to say that they can help you. Because one of the most important pieces, as you know, Judy, in coaching is it's not about, oh, I went through this, so now I'm going to teach everybody else how to do it based on my personal experience. Coaching is about what is your experience and how can we use your experience to help you get where you want to be? And that's where I think a lot of untrained coaches make the mistake that I've been through this, so now I can teach everybody about it. And that's not the intention of coaching. That's right. And, and to have the additional training really does matter, not just the experience, but having some um, some structured training around it, which is what you do have. Absolutely. So tell us more also, I'm like so interested in your personal backstory, how you got to the point where you have a passion for helping not just high achieving women, but also couples as well. Absolutely. So girls and women have been on my mind probably around since college. My, I was raised by a very strong mom who was adamant from as long as I can remember, make sure you have a career to support yourself. That even if you plan on getting married, you never know what can happen. Like she was very pragmatic and really encouraged my sister and I to, to really, again, to kind of take charge of our lives. So I guess I was trained by my mom to always think about, okay, how do we help women? How do we support women? How do we get past these ridiculous stereotypes that are truly outdated? Um, so I always gravitated to working with women. Not that I don't like, I have male clients and I enjoy working with them, but there is something about helping other women get to where they want to get to or younger women get to where they want to get to. So working with women have all, has always been kind of a, a, a passion of mine. Um, that book that you had mentioned certainly came from that, that same passion. Mm -hmm. Couples evolved from my work with women because what I found with uh, the women executives and business owners that I worked with is that regularly, almost every case, their relationships came up as mm -hmm. hindrances, as support, as just another challenge in their life. So I just regularly heard about their relationships. And as I worked with them, the more I worked with them, the more I started thinking, you know, to have a different approach to help couples, because obviously it's impacting these people individually. So why not get right to the kind of the, the root of the problem? So the more I started thinking about it, the more I started expanding, often starting with some of my individual clients once they were done uh, doing their individual work with me saying, you know, if you ever want to explore your relationship through coaching, let me know. And so, and, and some of them know, I, you know, I'd say, you're kind of my guinea pig. I'm practicing and trying this out. I was very authentic with them, but they knew the work I did with them as individuals. So they were confident that I could translate it to couples. So over time, it expanded to working with couples. And from a personal perspective, honestly, Judy, and I, I know you've, you've been very uh, genuine with me, you know, I'm on my third marriage, which is ironic when I help people with their relationships. But part of it is the way I have, again, been trained in cognitive behavioral strategies and applying some of that and applying some of what I know about business 
into these couples. I wish I had had it. Now I do in my current relationship, but it would have been lovely to have it right from the beginning of my first commitment so that maybe I could have avoided it. Um, I'm grateful I got got to where I am, but Actually, that's that's a great segue into a question that I really was so curious about asking Mm -hmm. you, Dr. Robin. So if if you were to imagine your younger self in whatever age, maybe late 20s, maybe early 30s. I don't even know how old you are now. And I don't need to know. I'm sorry, but (laughs) it may not be your younger self. You may be there. (laughs) No, I'm 50. So (laughs) you look so much younger than that. You must have gotten married when you were 12. (laughs) But but let's just talk about this, that your younger self at a different stage of life, perhaps when you were in the trouble, the the peak of troubleness in your marriage. And if you were to have encountered or hired your yourself now and 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 bought into your coaching package however you do that what would what would be different like mm-hmm. what would your younger self have experienced it's a great knowing that your older self is now your your yeah. coach yeah so by working with me my younger self would have had a plan a strategic plan on either if, if my younger self wasn't in a relationship, how to choose a partner or how to explore options of partners. If I was already in a relationship, it would be creating a platform for that relationship, a solid platform that wasn't based on love, that wasn't based on sexual attraction, that wasn't based on you know the 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 really wonderful fun positive moments that was based on the long term i keep using the term long term plan for where i wanted the marriage or the commitment to go and i i certainly didn't do that as a younger woman i went with what i felt which is not wrong it just might not get you the results that you're looking for because you're basing it on the subjective current experience not the long-term objective goal of staying in a committed relationship. So if I had been able to work with someone who had a plan or a a way of coaching like I do, it would be, well, let's think about this pragmatically, strategically, and objectively. And you can still have all the bells and whistles and the fun and, and sex and love and all the good stuff. It doesn't take it away. It just makes sure that the bells and whistles have a platform to continue to be positive. Ah, I love that. It's almost like what I'm hearing is that it is like a, um, it's, it's a structure. It's, it's perhaps the, the framework, right? Like Mm -hmm. if you're building a house or the foundation of that house. Mm -hmm. So when is the best time then for a couple, um, to, to get into coaching and Mm -hmm. having that framework? Is it better before they are serious or or like when they're about ready to get married? Uh, Yeah, tell us more about that because I'm hearing that your program, it's a good fit for maybe either individuals or couples. Is that right? It is. Okay. So I very, I actually more so I'm working with a lot of uncoupled people who don't uh, want to either make the mistakes that they've made in the past or they just want a better like again, a secure strategy of how to go about it. So some of what I, I help couples with is, is applicable to, uh, to people who are single. Um, as an example, um, I have, uh, well, the, the one that is specific to dating, I, ha- I work with 
um, individuals to develop their I ICA. In business, an ICA is an ideal customer or client avatar who is like the person you are targeting. And it, with people who are looking to get into a relationship, they create an ideal companion avatar, still an ICA with the same idea. Like, who do you really want to be with? So they go through a structured you know, questionnaire and we have conversations about who are you really looking for? And now what type of relationship are you looking for? Because that might not always align who you think you want versus the type of relationship you want. So I help people develop this idea so that they, they again, have a plan to go out there. So when they make choices on an individual to spend time with, it's knowing whether, okay, this person is just fun in the moment, definitely not someone I'm going to invest too much time with, or no, this is someone that actually fits everything I'm looking for. People shy away because they, they hear strategy and plan. And, and I use these business terms and they think, oh, that's like, that, that, that sounds too manipulative. And it's not manipulative in the negative sense. It's manipulating the type of life you want. And I think society has twisted that term. That manipulation mm -hmm. is not always a negative thing. I mean, it mm -hmm. can be absolutely a negative thing, mm -hmm. but sometimes it's just manipulating the variables so you get to the goal or you get to the life you want. And that can be okay. As long as you're not hurting anybody, having a plan for your life is okay. So when I work with individuals or when I work with couples, it is exactly, as you said, Judy, creating that solid platform. Um, and you had specifically said, I, I'm sorry, I got distracted. Um, what, when would a couple come in to work with me? I have two groups, basically. Couples who are at the brink of making a commitment, whatever that is, or couples who have been married a while and are in a rut. They're not in crisis. They, they haven't gone through some kind of uh, trauma because that definitely should be in therapy, but they just want to feel better in their relationship because they do want to be with their partner. They just aren't as satisfied and happy as they used to be. So those are the two categories that typically come through my door. That's interesting. So, so when couples are, they realize that they need help and this is, you probably are already familiar with Gottman's research. Mm -hmm. When they realize that they have a problem in their marriage, then they wait another six years before actually inquiring about seeing a therapist. And then people do think, okay, I need marriage therapy. So they might go to psychology today and, and put in their um, zip code and try to figure out the right therapist. So how do you differentiate, help folks to, uh, to know how would they know whether they need a therapist or whether they do need a coach? Great question. So there's certainly some very clear categories that absolutely should start in therapy. If there is any kind of uh, current or recent addiction, um, if there's any kind of current or recent abuse, if there's been some kind of traumatic loss, uh, like a close family member or a child who has uh, died or has been uh, critically ill, as well as um, any kind of uh, current or recent affair. So I've worked with couples who have had infidelities in their past, but it, it was 10 years ago and they're past it. So that's not an issue, but it's, it's the, the ones that are still raw. Those should absolutely go to therapy um, because that's the, those issues need to be really addressed at a therapeutic level. And I'm very clear that the, there is a delineation between therapy and coaching that should not be overlapped in my opinion. And so those couples should start in therapy. Couples who really want to or feel the need to really dig into their past, like dig up issues, talk about them, you know, analyze them, explore them. That's really more in therapy um, in terms of really focusing on past issues that have, you know, undermined the relationship. 
So those are the couples that, you know, and certainly couples that, that don't like my business model <laughs> approach. And yeah, it's absolutely. Maybe therapy is <laughs> a better approach or a different coach. Yeah. For couples yeah. who, when, when they ask the clear difference between uh, therapy and coaching, my statement is simple that when it comes to coaching and therapy, first of all, coaching, no matter what kind of coach you're working with is not covered by insurance. So if you are hoping to use That's insurance, then, and I'm very candid with people about that, that, mm -hmm. you know, and, and not all prices take insurance either, but if that's a, a factor, then please, you know, consider that. But the clearest one beyond the logistics is that therapy is going to spend more time looking at the past in order to make changes in the present. Again, from my perspective, coaching is going to look at your present. How do you want your present to be? And how are you going to use your present to get to the future? So it's a very you know, progressive forward-looking approach to getting to the relationship that you want. And to be clear, I never help couples get back to the relationships they had mm -hmm. because that's what got them into coaching. It's getting <laughs> that's them to- true. We don't want them, we don't want them no. to go back. And like, we want to get back to who we were. I'm like, do you really? Do, do you really? Because- Yeah, yeah. And, and how can you, even if it was wonderful- how can you really get back to that point if it was 10 years ago or five years ago or 25, like that you're different people. So now we're just creating a relationship based on who you are now and, right. and then the relationship you want in the future. So it's, it's really, you know, there, some people will say it's semantics, but, but for me, it's trying to help couples and individuals understand really what is your focus and where do you want to go? And then certainly the last category is if there are clinical issues, if there's depression, anxiety, really getting in the way of daily functioning, then the couple should be, I think, with a, in my opinion, with a therapist who can kind of manage some of that from a big picture perspective. Do you ever then take couples who perhaps have their own individual therapist each, like they're getting separate services, and then they're coming to you as a coach because they do want to move forward? Yes, I, it, isn't un, it isn't uncommon for people to have a therapist and a coach because, again, ideally, they should be doing different things, mm -hmm. sometimes dovetailing, but separate in, in, in separate ways um, and it, dealing with separate issues in the person's life. So it is really common when a couple comes in. And if there's been something that, that is still concerning or if they're dealing with their own individual clinical issue, as long as they're working with a therapist, then... I, I have, I, I see coaching, couples coaching as really facilitating their work. And then the work they're doing in therapy facilitates the coaching. Yes, it does. It's very, it can be very complimentary, can't it? With the right uh, coordination of, of people that, that are supporting you. They're a team, right? They're a team and mm -hmm. it takes a village to raise a child. It takes a village okay. for marriage to Exactly. to really thrive, doesn't it? And I do want to speak to a couple things. Number one, yes, there might have been like a betrayal from 10 years ago, but that could be cooking for the last 10 yeah. years. And they may, they may still be raw over, over issues from the past as well. And so it is, it's, it's, I love it. You're, you're moving forward. There's some real clear defined uh, criteria, so to speak, about, okay, we're not really ready for coaching yet, but we need this first. I have discovered, even in my own practice, Dr. Robin, that, uh, yeah, we need to get, it's the focus on the negative, and it, I think this is where I'm kind of migrating. I, I don't know, I need to be a little more clear with that as I grow myself, but just seeing the mental health field 
as, of course, we have flaws in our systems, right? We have flaws everywhere, but the focus on the mental illness and then the diagnosis and a person comes in, we're talking about their anxiety, we're talking about their depression, talk about the mood disorder. Does that really help us? Like right. where focus goes, I think Tony Robbins says this, and it probably comes from ancient wisdom somewhere where focus goes energy or where, where, yeah, focus goes, energy flows. So mm -hmm. you can so easily get stuck yeah. in counseling, can't you? Yeah. And, and, and you really need to take some responsibility. Why are we coming to counseling in the first place? It is to, yes, let's clear out the past, but let's, let's live our bigger life here. And I have taken, um, I, well, with my own experiences, of course, having lived with a, my, former husband of um, 10 years, um, my second husband with uh, bipolar disorder mm -hmm. and having some severe mental health issues, but there were so many, I mean, he was an advocate for mental health. When he was well, he was so such a wonderful and precious husband, but the illness and the focus on the illness, you know, at this stage of my life, I'm looking back at this and I'm thinking, wait a minute. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, there's something wrong with this picture, um, as we all do. We go through our traumas, right, Dr. Um, Robin? And, and then we look at our past, and then we, we look at that differently with a different perspective. Yeah. So actually, that's what I wanted to ask you about, because how have, has your personal journey and also your training and your coaching and even meeting people you know, a lot of people hearing a whole lot of stories and making a huge impact in the, and you're writing and you're, you're speaking. How has that changed you and your perspective about your life? How has it rewritten your story, so to speak? The, the first one, I love your questions, Judy. <laughs> They're really making me think this early in the morning. Um, so I think the first one that, that really clearly screamed at me when you were asking me that question is, it's amazing how what I have been helping people with for you know my whole career in different ways. You know whether I was a professor, whether I was you know doing therapy, whether I was whatever setting I was in, it stopped being just the strategies I knew, the, the mm. things that I was educated in, and it really became who I am. Mm. And for our children, that's probably not a good thing. <laughs> like, I, I really, instead of just telling people, you know, when you prime your brain, that's what your brain's going to focus on, almost like the Tony Robbins quote. And, and that's, but now after doing it for so long, it's just how I think. It's how I view the world. It's, and it is so powerful. Actually, I'm really grateful for that because when I go through really hard things and I'll share something very personal. I just found out yesterday that my mom has metastatic breast cancer mm. after 18 years of being cancer free, 76 years old. She's going in for a double mastectomy next week. And in my past, in my younger life, my, my younger life that made not great relationship choices, I would have been, I'd be in a tailspin. I mean, I would have let my emotions really take over, which would have made me less valuable to my mom, less helpful mm. to my mom. Mm. But yesterday I sat down, I said, okay, where are we now? What do we know now? What are the facts? How can we replace some of the emotional thoughts that are coming up with, with you know, fact-based evidence, all cognitive behavioral strategies. But I did it so fast so that within minutes I calmed down. I'm like, okay, this is what we're going to do. And, and yeah, everything fit. 
So when, when you ask, like, how has my work changed me? That is that I'm not just teaching and supporting people by using cognitive behavioral strategies and good coaching strategies. I do it now almost automatically, I think, sometimes in my life. And not that it makes my life perfect by any means, but it certainly helps me be more effective, which makes me more satisfied with my life. And that's truly what I want to get clients to is this that level of being confident that they can take care of things, even really hard things on their own and avoiding using services that might become a crutch, which sometimes happens with therapy. Yes. And I, I love it because what you're modeling for clients is this life of growth and resilience. So in other words, if we're still thinking like we're 22 years old and we're like 50 or 60 or whatever, like there's something wrong with that picture. <laughs> like we, we, it, because this is the human journey, isn't it? I mean, here we are as therapists, which I absolutely love the profession. And, and I tell people that, you know, it, it's a second career for me. My first career was raising four kids in a troubled marriage and that lasted for three decades, but it wasn't all troubled. It was, there was beauty about it, but yes, I have evolved. I have emerged. I've grown, which I think, I, I'm sure there's research out there, haven't done it all. Maybe you know about, you know, the stress or when one partner grows and the other one wants to mm -hmm. stay the same and there's yeah. this wedge. And uh, but anyway, going back to, to what I was saying is um, speak to, I think you kind of did speak to already this human journey, not just therapist journey, not just professor journey, psychologist or coach journey. This is a human journey for all of us to be invited to. So speak to your framework and coaching and how you help couples eat, have this structure mm -hmm. and how it, how it uh, enhances this growth human journey that we're all on. Right. So my approach is different than how a lot of people view going into work with a, a therapist or, or a coach when it comes to their relationship. And it is based on a business model, which we kind of talked about earlier. It, and I frame it by using very specific business terminology, business concepts. So I always give the example because I, I, sometimes I like to mess with people in a, in, a, in a loving way. So I'll have a couple come in and I'll, they're usually very driven, very motivated type A type of, of individuals. And I'll say, okay, so tell me about your, um, your mission statement. And inevitably they will each start rattling off their mission statement at work. And I'll say, oh, th those are great. They usually are. And, you know, why do you think you're, so that was your business? Oh yeah. And why do you think they have it? So they'll tell me all the right reasons of why a business has a mission statement. And then I'll say to them, well, what I was actually asking is what's your mission statement for your relationship? And it's just crickets every time. And they're like, mm. oh, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'll look at them like, and again, almost always one will turn to the other and say, why don't we have a mission statement for our relationship? <laughs> Because they know all the reasons that an organization does, you know, to keep people focused, to keep people on the same page, to, to, to be working towards a mutually accepted goal. That all sounds good for a relationship, in my opinion. So we start there and then we expand using um, parts of actual business plans to create the plan for their relationship. So when my couples are done with the work with uh, that they do with me, they are walking out with a a, a electronic copy of what looks like a business plan, but it's specific to their relationship. 
So I don't dictate, you know, certainly their goals or helping them identify their pain points, which is another business term. It all was generated from them, as you know, from coaching, but it is framed in this very objective terminology and concepts so that it helps people retain that pragmatic and logical way of thinking rather than getting caught up in emotion. I, I think all the emotions that are associated with relationships are lovely and wonderful and necessary sometimes, but emotions get cloud our thinking and we can't always come up with the best approaches when we're emotional, whatever the emotion is, negative or positive. So I try very hard to help couples strip it down to the business of their relationship and then creating a plan that will work for them. Oh my goodness, that's brilliant. And I can see how that is so very tailor fit and for high achieving folks and those type A personalities. That's wonderful. I I love it too. So so getting the emotions, how I how I see emotions, and I encourage people to consider emotions as temporary messengers to your soul. Like, like okay, depression comes, anxiety comes. Well let's listen to them. Let's let's honor them. But let whatever their message is, whatever need you know, whatever ever it's zoning into a deeper place in your soul, tuning into right. that, letting them go. Thank you for right. showing up, right? right? Whether that's anger, irritability, whatever, there's a message there, isn't there? Right. So I love it that you're able to just to help couples to to really get down to a framework, so to speak, and, and a right. business model. Wow. Yeah. That's yeah, it brilliant. Just from, it just came. <laughs> I enjoyed doing it. It was fun to develop it over the past 10 years and, and watch how couples truly start to embrace it. And I, I, you know, one of those like aha moments that I always love is watching a couple when they start talking and then they start using the, the terminologies we've talked about. So, you know, I'll see one member of a couple say, well, that wasn't exactly the goal associated with our pain point. Do we need to, or, you know, look at another pain point? And I'm just laughing because usually it'd be like, you do this and I hate when you do this. And there's none of that because they've, wow. they, you know, we've modeled in session how to phrase some of these concepts and it helps them just retain that objectivity that they're so good at in their careers, their ability to really create plans and, and long-term goals and break things down and, and define roles. And yet we don't do that in our relationships, even though for many of these couples, they do it very effectively in one area of their life. So they just get to learn to translate it into their relationship. And it doesn't detract from the love and the lust and all the fun stuff, it actually enhances it. What would you say to the couple who comes to you and finds out about your services and, and they just think, whoa, and, and there's this mentality, isn't there, I guess, between coaching and, and counseling, people who are then trained, and we're, we all are, I mean, in our culture, right, with mental health field, you pay by the session, mm -hmm. <laughs> and then you get your re insurance reimbursement, but to then to go into a coaching, a very transformational program, and you're not paying by the session, and you are not filing insurance and all, how, how do you speak to couples who say, eh, I don't know, this is a lot of money here, right. uh, yeah, speak to that, and mm -hmm. how, and what do they need to know about that? Yeah, again, I tend to break it down, you know, even, you know, in the work I do, a lot of times we use quantitative evidence. So, so we can see if we're achieving the goals, just like we would in business. So I do the same with that kind of question, because I do get that a lot, like, well, you know, that's a lot of money, we can't get reimbursed. So 
my question is a little, is very direct. <laughs> I'll say, well, how much did you, for couples who are already married or couples who are about to get married, how much have you spent or how much did you spend on your, on your wedding? And usually they can rattle off some extravagant number in the United States. It's about approximately $20,000 is the, is the average. And then I'll say, okay, how many hours do you think you planned your wedding or how many have you already devoted to plan your wedding? And the average in America is about 250 to 300. So they can tell me all this, you know, some people say, I have a binder of all my ideas I was thinking of for the wedding. And I'm like, that's really terrific. So how many hours and how much money have you or did you devote to the marriage? Kind of one of those moments of crickets again, where they just stare at me. And I'll say, you know, when you think that you might've spent around $20,000 on a wedding for an eight hour day, approximately, how much is it worth to spend to try and create either a solid foundation for your marriage or a new foundation for the marriage that you want in the future? How much is it worth? Is it worth half of that? A third of that? And that's where couples start to think, you know, is it, is it worth coming in and with coaching, you know, some of them come in once a week, some of them come in once a month. It depends where they are in the process and how fast they want to progress. Is it worth spending 12 hours over, you know, once a week for three months to get the foundation you want to make your marriage, which is significantly more than eight hours long, I hope. Yeah. <laughs> get it on the right track from the beginning or reestablish the track you want to go on in the future. So very often when people, you know, our brains function with black and white very well or concrete. So when it's numbers and percentages and quotients, again, as you know, Judy, people start to be able to understand the value um, and then make a decision that's right for them. And compare that to a divorce. Yeah, I do that. Divorce. Divorce. <laughs> yeah, that compare into. that because, yeah, yeah, like we're not talking about just finances. Yeah. I think, yeah, speak to that if you would. I mean, because yeah, they spend a lot of time on and they're all excited about the wedding. But what about a divorce? What's the cost yeah. of that? And I have taught, especially couples that are coming in because they have, they're on, they're going into their second or third commitment or marriage and they're really scared. They don't want to go through that again because you're right. It's not just the financial. Um, and I can't, I, I used to know the statistic for divorce. I try so hard not to focus on the negative stuff, but, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it's, it's easily 12 to $20,000 for a divorce and can take the average is 18 months to finish a divorce. And that's, you know, on, on the plus side. So when I talk to couples, it's not just about the time and the money of, of a divorce. It is what it does to you personally. And, and the thoughts that are created about yourself, about your ability to be in a relationship, the, the trust and the faith in a relationship. So it undermines, to me, the divorce process can, the, the typical divorce process can tip, really undermine the person at their core level. Sometimes having them question their values and, and who they thought they were and their judgment of people. So when I talk to couples and especially those who have experienced that or, you know, new couples who watched friends and family go through divorce, it's, do you want to avoid that? If you knew that by doing something, you could avoid a physical injury, you know, if, if, if as long as I don't jump off the roof of my house, I will avoid breaking my leg in that situation. Wouldn't you avoid it? Well, it's not that different with, co you know, with coaching. If you want to avoid the pain of a divorce, wouldn't you do things that are preventative that are going to ensure that maybe no, not guarantee, but a stronger likelihood that you will have success in your relationship and avoid the pain at all levels of a divorce. 
we do it so much in all other areas of our life, but I don't see that with relationships as much. Yeah. And, and people do need to know. I know that with the work that I've done over the years and, and continue to do, I realize that I'm not just working with this couple and their problems, issues, getting them beyond it, but it, it is, it's a legacy. It's like, it's, it's mm. trickling down the, the healing that they do, the skills that they learn, the dialogue methods, and I'm an Imago trained therapist and, and Gottman trained and so on, but the work that they do with each other really has the potential and, and so many times changes their branch of the family tree. Yes. And it, it really transforms their relationship with their children. And, and it sounds to me like the work you're doing, the structure, having a plan in place, that's got to affect the entire family that's living under that roof of that, yeah. you know, well, the parents, it's, right? It's any evidence. It's not uncommon. <laughs> Actually, it's happened <laughs> three times in the past couple months where a couple that I, I worked with, um, now they have a child who is entering into a commitment, getting, you know, moving in together, getting engaged, getting married. And as part of the wedding present for each of these three couples who don't even know each other, but for each of their three um, sort of adult kids, um, they're giving them sessions with me. So that to me says, well, that, that certainly worked for the couple enough that now they want that same kind of plan and strategy for, you know, people that they love most in the world, their kids. So. Well, let me ask you this too. I hope you don't mind me asking so many questions about no. your proprietary coaching. But with, with clients that I've seen over the years, there's a lot of messiness uh, even outside of that couple, like ex-spouses that are narcissistic or this or that. There's this all of this stuff. Uh, can you speak to how your program uh, affects that? The, the maybe the, you know, or the in-laws or whatever that, that's going on, the other other extraneous besides just the couple, right? Yep, absolutely. Yeah. So I'm writing a book about my my program, which is I call Marriage LLC. And there's a chapter in the book, um, the title will probably change, but it's loosely called Collaterals, because those are the people you're talking about, all the people outside of the couple. Because to me, the couple is like that nucleus and, and mm -hmm. ensuring the couple is strong and unified as you said, is going to be that ripple effect out to everybody, almost everybody else, maybe not exes, we'll see. <laughs> but that becomes part of the conversation, you know, is, is a pain point, for example, that, you know, you always give in to your ex and you never stand up, you know, for whatever, you know, it, it feels like you're still choosing your ex over me. That could be a very clear pain point. And then helping a couple break down. Okay, so what's the goal? The goal is to reestablish that we're the unified unit and the X is, is a collateral and how to make sure he or she stays a collateral. Okay, and now what are the action steps and how do we know, how do, what, do we, what is our evidence when we know we've achieved this goal? So it is very much about creating plans around your collaterals. Just as in business, you would create plans around your teams and each team might need different strategies, but it's addressing that if your teams, good or bad, whatever they're doing, it is going to affect the leadership. And in this case, it's going to affect the nuclear couple. So ensuring that there are plans and, and ways to organize the collaterals so that it benefits the relationship, which is the most important part of the work that I'm doing with couples. Wow. That is amazing. I just, this business strategy in relationships 
makes a whole lot of sense as I'm listening Thanks. to you. And I know that it does resonate with a lot of my listeners because a lot of them are entrepreneurial couples that are mm -hmm. raising kids and whatever stage of life that they're in, that that model certainly can be, uh, you know, gotten it, it, like it makes yeah. sense. It's familiar. Then, yeah. Familiar. Mm -hmm. And, and the, and the terms you're using. Yeah. If we can label this, these are collaterals over here. <laughs> Yeah. These are our assets. These are our liabilities. And right. this is our team. And right. this is our core. So that is brilliant. And it, I and think it takes away amazing. the emotion. Again, when we say the exes or the kids, different emotions come up. And again, emotions yeah. are messages, but messages to then process and let go, as you were saying. So if we reduce it, when we talk about collaterals, collaterals is as neutral and clinical as you can get. Mm -hmm. And it takes away some of that, like the, the heartstrings that were pulled when we think about our kids or the, some of the negative emotions we might have for other people. So collaterals are just, they're neutral and they're, their sole, the sole purpose of the couple is to figure out how to work the collaterals, the interaction with the collaterals so that it doesn't hurt the relationship and maybe even benefits the right relationship. So. Wow. I love that. I love that. Uh, all right. So I know we're, we're talking a lot. I wanted to try to keep it in the, in the short, concise half hour, but we've gone past that. And thank you so much. And I, I really want to honor your time, Dr. Robin, because you have been, you've just given us so much wisdom and things to ponder and think about. And uh, I'm, I'm very excited to have met with you today. That is just amazing. So a couple of questions that I do want to leave with. Mm -hmm is 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 there one piece of advice that you can give to and i'm going to have you speak to a woman a high achieving woman perhaps she's outgrown her marriage or feels that her husband is just like and it's been years like would there be one piece of advice that and, and maybe she's done everything gone to marriage conferences retreats counseling and even coaching and still nothing has happened. What would you say to that woman? First and foremost, take time to clearly articulate and write down what you want, not what you need, not what you should be doing, not what you, you know, should have done. It's what do you want in your life and in your relationship? And I say, write it down. And you know, the research on this, Judy, because then it becomes real and you mm. can review it. And until your brain accepts it, it just becomes that reminder that out, you know, it's you talking from the page. What do you want? Once you establish what you want, knowing it's not selfish, it is the strongest, most selfless thing you can do because then your happiness and satisfaction comes through, which creates the ripple effect on everybody you know. Then you can make choices around the want. And if the want is that I, I want a relationship where I feel supported or I don't want a relationship because I, I really want to be independent, it's okay to use that as your litmus for then the choices you make. That's beautiful. And you're honoring, you're honoring that life, that human being. Uh, and yeah, I think we as women, at least a lot of women that I've seen in my own experiences, we are, we're born into this world. And uh, many of us have been taught, well, you have to have a man in order to survive. And I realized your mom has like really nurtured you to do the opposite, right? Or, or to be, you know, to have a career, which is wonderful. Mm -hmm. So, and then we, we put so much energy into 
our children, raising yeah. them. We're told we're selfish if we do take care of ourselves. Right. I mean, there's so much culture with yeah. that. And what a what beautiful advice that you you just now gave. Write it down. Write yeah. down. Write what down your do one. you want? Yeah. I love that. Thank you. And uh so uh one other thing tell folks how to get in touch with you first of all Excellent. and i am so curious about what is next for you dr oh, Robin. what okay. do you have in the works and and what yeah tell what your growth edge is so to speak right now so easy ways to find me or look for me uh certainly my website's easy enough it's my name with no spaces or, or uh, period so drrobinbuckley.com um, I'm also on Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, and my practice is on Facebook. So easy enough to find on all the uh, non-Facebook sites just from, again, Dr. Robin Buckley. So I try to keep it simple. Uh, Instagram's a great place for people just to get motivation and little reminders. My clients love it because they, sometimes they just use it as, as support in between sessions. Um, and upcoming. So the book is in the works. I'm really, my ideal goal would be to have it somewhere out there in the world, uh, maybe at the end of 2022. And then the book is helping me develop um, couples retreats, um, ways that couples can get away and, and work through um, a more structured program um, that is with clearly defined daily objectives. And at the end of, you know, five days, have at least the the skeleton of a of a business model for the relationship that can help so that's my uh that's a little bit more long term than the book but book is first what a beautiful contribution that you're making for couples and for individuals for sure thank you so much dr robin it's been a joy to talk with you you have so much to offer and uh what a valuable episode for sure is, to help us to understand that difference between coaching and counseling and wow you've given us so much more thank you no thank you judy this has been a pleasure all right bye-bye what an enlightening conversation with dr buckley having a mission statement Learning to partner with your spouse and even using business terms to gain perspective. Oh my gosh, that was so insightful. She gave such distinction about coaching and counseling. So for our next episode, you're going to really enjoy my conversation with relationship expert, Chloe Balatori. She and I talk about the yin and yang of relationships, how that feminine and masculine energies show up in what I call the dances of our relationships. That's our patterns. So if you resonate, please do us a favor and rate this episode on the podcast streaming app of your choice. It'll make you feel good to share and subscribe if you haven't done so already. I really appreciate being with you today.